Hello, I'm Taylor Kurtz, and this is SEO in 2024. Taylor, what's your number one SEO tip for 2024? My number one SEO tip is to invest your time and resources in building your website's EEAT, as it's called, experience, expertise, authority, and trust. I believe if you're going to, if you could only invest time in one thing, that would be it. You know, backlinks, all these different things are very important. But at the end of the day, if you're not providing quality information and value to the user, you're not going to rank. And so I would say that's my number one suggestion above all. So why is EEAT so important? Well, essentially, um, Google's always put out their kind of like search guidelines. And for instance, in when was it? I believe September of 2022, they released the page experience or not the page experience update, the helpful content update, essentially saying that's exactly what we're rewarding. Experience, authority, trust, people that have firsthand knowledge of whatever they're talking about. And I believe that now, you know, we see the Google search generative experience and Bing's kind of AI chatbot kind of being integrated into the search results kind and to a degree that will probably reduce like drop the click through rate for a lot of search results with people kind of similar to a featured snippet, getting the info they need right at the top. Uh, but at the same time, that info has to come from it somewhere. And in the case of Bing, for instance, you know, it cites to within a dancer where that information comes from. And at the end of the day, I would want my, my material or my clients to be a part of, you know, that information that's being cited. So you touched on AI there as well. Um, obviously, a lot of content nowadays is generated using AI. Uh, I guess on the face of it, experience, expertise um, is not something that you have from AI, but you could have um, the AI content published using a pseudonym. So is AI content potentially able to give you, to deliver that same authoritativeness as uh, human written content at the moment? I would say it's capable of being an incredible ally, uh, but maybe not a one-stop shop. You know, for instance, I've had numerous clients where they are, whether it's an attorney, for instance, and they're writing specifically about something that they would be an expert in. And I'm able to use AI to kind of ask it, whether it's chat, GPT, whatever it be, to ask it a question. And while I'm not necessarily going to, you know, defer to that answer, we have, we have in this case, hopefully someone with some firsthand knowledge writing about it, it may give me prompts or ideas or questions that it is answering that maybe my original piece of content was not. And it can really kind of be like a, a, a gap filler, I would say. And also, like I, if you just ask it a question, it might go in a direction that opens up your thinking a little bit. And I think that, you know, in the case of, again, law, where maybe it couldn't necessarily cite proper legal cases or certain statutes, that's where you really want an expert. But for just a lot, in a lot of cases, just getting the kind of the background information, I guess, the service level thing, you can, you can certainly supplement, I would say, with AI. I think that a lot of people, when that first came out, felt very threatened. Uh, you know, even myself, I didn't necessarily feel threatened from a job security standpoint, but I definitely felt unsure of maybe what the future landscape looked like before, like a little more unsure than I did ahead of time. But I think, it, you know, technology always has changed when. When the car came around, the people that drove the buggies panicked. And so, but at the same time, it, it opened up so many more opportunities if you're able to view it as an ally and something that can aid your own efforts, I would say, but not definitely not something to be relied upon as an expert. So, I mean, focusing on EAT, um, 
What are a few key elements that uh, a content writer, um, someone publishing content, can incorporate as part of the content to differentiate themselves compared with the competitors, to make them look in the eyes of Google as, as that key authority? I think it really comes down to firsthand experience. And uh, as we record today, it's September, the beginning of September in 2023. And so just last month, just two weeks ago or so, Google released their August core update, which is their second large update of the year. And in that, when I was kind of analyzing what I was seeing on websites rising and dropping, one common theme I saw was, excuse me, a lot of websites being rewarded now that had clear obvious firsthand experience. They weren't necessarily writing just about a topic from a broad overview standpoint. They were able to put their personal experience into that to kind of, like I said, show that expertise on the topic. So like I would say any, and it's not easy, you know, most clients are busy trying to do whatever their job may be, not necessarily focusing on helping us with our content. But I would say that I do think if you can get that firsthand experience, especially through like video, like, for instance, you may have an article that's not, you know, an article that isn't necessarily you're requiring the, the client to be involved in the writing in it other than maybe reviewing it for accuracy or whatever it may be. But if you can get them to kind of summarize it or put a personal story about that topic in a video, which is obviously you know, a very digestible, user-friendly you know, form of content, I think that's another easy win there is, that, you know, hey, uh, for instance, sake of discussion, uh, I have a client who's a dentist and wants to be the foremost authority on root canals. You know, whatever. We can certainly write about root canals. There's probably not too much evolution in the root canal business. But at the same time, so a lot there'll be a lot of overlap and redundancy between your content, competitors, et cetera. But if you can get the dentist client to commit a minute or so just talking about, you know, I've been doing it for this long. Here's kind of my tips making it a pleasant experience whatever it may be, but add that personal touch. So it's very clear, you know, this wasn't written by nobody. Like the actual expert on this is, has his hands in it. It's kind of what I've seen being rewarded quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. So do you think every piece of content that is trying to be authoritative needs to augment itself with video? Oh no, not every piece. I just think that's kind of an easy win if you have that opportunity to supplement content with video. I kind of have a motto when I talk to clients, whether they're writing their own content or they're wondering why our content's written a certain way, I like to kind of use the phrase, no stone unturned. So essentially, if you have our page and let's say the top 10 competitors, any topic that's addressed on theirs, we want to address on ours. We don't want to leave any stone uncovered where they may have to go to some other site if that happens to be the information you're looking for. Now, some of the benchmarks that you also focus in on um, are UX orientated. So what is it about UX, in your opinion, that makes it so important to SEO? And how, how can you actually measure the impact of UX on SEO? Sure. Part of the reason it's so important to me is just as a user, I think we all endure plenty of poor user experiences. You know, uh, an example I like to use a lot because it drives me crazy is if I'm traveling you know, or, or not even traveling. I'm just I'm interested in a restaurant and I want to see the menu. And you get you, you click for the website to load and it's loading slow, but you see the you know view menu button and you click it. And next thing you know, the whole thing loads and you clicked on something else inadvertently. Drives me crazy. 
So it's kind of like, I can very much understand why user experience should be a focus. But that being said, from a search engine standpoint, uh, kind of as I touched on earlier is that Google will tell you user experience is important. Web speed is important. These various things are important, but very rarely do they kind of give you, and by important, we mean it needs to be this or better. And so in the case of Core Web Vital, like or not just Core Web Vitals, that was just a kind of newer opportunity to do it. If we have any kind of benchmark metric that we know, you know, mobile speed needs to be two seconds or less. Okay, well, we want it to be less. Uh, Core Web Vitals, the largest uh, contentful paint needs to be 1.5 seconds or less. Well, we want it to be less. So it's kind of if we, those, those few ones where we have, we know this is important. They're taking the time to tell us this is important. Just go ahead, clean up the, those, those core web vitals, your mobile speed, whatever it may be, and get it exceeding those benchmarks. So then you can really focus on, you know, portraying yourself as that expert and not have to worry about, you know, through my content and all this, I'm, I'm building a beautiful house, but because of the core web vitals, the walls will crumble or something. You're not going to get your maximum value. Um, and then obviously for just measuring user experience, that is kind of the core web vitals, whether it's that, uh, largest contentful paint, total blocking time, or I mean, first input delay, excuse me, and content layout shift. Uh, and the layout shift referencing the example where the menu moves and everything like that, it's just really aggravating. Now I'm clicking back and trying to find it again. Uh, so I would say just, you know, go ahead, audit your website, not make sure they're loading well on mobile, make sure that you're able to exceed those known benchmarks of the core web vitals, test them on PageSpeed Insights or your tool of choice. And then kind of just, that means you're starting with a clear slate. We can focus on this and know this other effort, in my case, suggestion would be, you know, authoritative content, uh, quality content, and know that if we invest time, effort, and resources building that content, its performance won't be hindered by these technical components, which Google's in plain English in our case said, you know, this is uh, important. And the way that a user and a search engine experiences your content evolves over time, SEO evolves, um, but also means that you've got to think about what's coming in the future as well. So with that in mind, you've coined a term called virtual environment optimization. What, what does that mean? Sure. So in the last couple of years, maybe close to the last decade, Virtual reality of some form has become kind of more accessible by the everyday person from the standpoint of we all know like Facebook or Meta, excuse me, has their Oculus platform. Uh, and there's numerous integrations. I mean, you can think back to when they implemented augmented reality and everyone was traveling town chasing Pokemon and Pokemon Go. You know, uh, there's all sorts of different recent implementations of it and it's not going to slow down. And I kind of think back to, you know, you want to think about what might, and you know, might being the key term, but what might search or marketing look like in 10 years? And if you were to go back to, let's say, 2005, you could go on the internet on your flip phone. If you remember, you had to click the button to scroll very slowly. It was a nonsense experience. Uh, nobody at that time would have necessarily envisioned that 10 years from then, the majority of web traffic would be on cell phones, thanks to the introduction of the iPhone, the smartphone, and that Google would come out and say, this is super important. You need to, you know, have a mobile friendly website, things like that. So that was kind of inconceivable. I would think back in like 2004, 2005, before the kind of whole smartphone revolution. Now Google is working on implementing a mobile only index is kind of how far that's come. 
And so from my standpoint, I've tried the Oculus, very just rudimentary, I guess, kind of like a Wii sort of. It's not that impressive technologically, but it's in users' hands in their home. And now this early this coming year, I mean, within the next six months or so, Apple's going to release their Vision Pro. And you could think, you know, I, I liken this to where the Oculus, Oculus is to BlackBerry as the Vision Pro will be to iPhone. It has the potential to very much change our everyday lives, even if that sounds wild right now, um, to the standpoint of at some point in time, you know, you've, if anyone's looked into the Vision Pro, you have the opportunity to kind of go shopping and have the storefront in front of you and test the products in your living room and, and all that kind of stuff. And eventually it's going to reach a point where we have clients that are utilizing this technology. And we're going to have to figure out, you know, if we're in a virtual environment and there's multiple products available, how do we get ours to the forefront and make ours the most visible and compelling? And while that's not necessarily something that's too heavily or to my knowledge, really at all integrated at the moment, neither was, you know, mobile web speed back in 2005. So it's very much one of those things that I just, it's going to keep evolving. And as it becomes less intrusive from the standpoint of a less bulky headset, like where you can kind of more easily incorporate in your life, I would think it will then become kind of more intrusive on our actually life and actually be incorporated. And I very much could see where people, you know, brand loyalty with the younger generation does not necessarily exist like it does with older generations. And I could very much see a time where the younger generation is able to embrace kind of a more virtual commerce experience and how is my client product to be the one that they see and so that's i think that's just so fascinating you know like if one day i don't go to the grocery store anymore i go to a virtual grocery store that's a hundred times the size of any store that's ever been built it has every product basically amazon essentially and you can pick up the products and inspect them if it's food look at their nutrition panels things like that I just think the possibilities of it are endless and there's no way it doesn't at some point creep into our kind of digital marketing SEO optimization spectrum. Yeah, I mean, you th you say that things like uh, the Vision Pro and what it may lead to sounds incredible, sounds unrealistic, uh, sounds hard <laughs> to imagine today. But um, in reality, that's how the internet has been evolving. I'm not sure if you've ever seen an interview that David Bowie gave to a BBC reporter called Jeremy Paxman way back in about 1999. Uh, if you haven't, you know, check it out, check, check it out, listener. And David Bowie is really ahead of his time in terms of talking about what the internet was going to be, where it was evolving and what you're going to be able to do online. And th that's us, I guess, imagining where it's going to be in 10 years time as well. And it leads me to think about the name or the acronym SEO. And obviously we've been talking about SEO from uh, Blue Link's perspective in the past, and you've been talking about other forms of optimization. Are we leading to call it digital experience optimization, customer experience optimization, something else in the future? So I like my term, but at the same, my term of virtual environment optimization, but at the same time, I think it all kind of the VEO, uh, virtual environment optimization, but I think it kind of is on a TBD basis. Like I don't, <laughs> You don't necessarily know what this new world will look like. You know, in 1989, no one imagined that seven-year-old me would be lear learning how to use Napster, you know, 10 years later and very competent on the internet. 
I, it'll, it all evolves so quickly, but I just can't imagine a way where, where consumers are not going to try to be in front of your face more. And with people, you know, the movie theater is a prime example. Like I am very hesitant to go to a movie theater because I can watch from the comfort of my couch. I'm serious. Like, and, and so in, with a younger generation that has even less attention span than me, even less patient than me, why would I want to go do go to a store, deal with crowds and do this when I can do it all kind of in my own personalized environment. Uh, and that, and that's another thing that will come into play is, you know, I would imagine as these headsets take off to the point where similar to what, like, I think, uh, Zuckerberg wanted to do with the metaverse where you could kind of interact with your friends, uh, and things like that, which I don't know if it really ever took off, but I could very much see where when everyone puts on, whether it's glasses or the headset or somehow connects to this, it's catered specifically to them. And there's some sort of algorithm showing them what interests them. And that's going to be kind of most likely where we're going to have to optimize uh, what we are offering to target people that fall within like those demographics and their algorithm. If an SEO is struggling for time, what should they stop doing right now so they can spend more time doing what you suggest in 2024? Yeah, I, I wonder if anyone else would say this, but I would completely stop focusing on backlinks altogether. If you write good content and you show your expertise, experience, authority, and trust, the backlinks will come. People writing on the same topic as you will cite your article. You'll get those organic, valuable backlinks. That doesn't mean, you know, in the, you know, if there's an opportunity for a valuable link, don't get it. But it's kind of like, I think that's not really worth any amount of time anymore. Uh, unless you're a brand new website, you kind of need to get some sort of reputation, I suppose you could say, uh, being the new kid on the blog. But if you have a website that's been around, it's starting to perform. I don't think it's, I think if you're going to spend an hour, two hours pursuing backlinks, find a way to use that time to bolster that experience, bolster that authority, bolster that trust. And I do understand that, you know, to some extent, backlinks play a role in that uh, trust. You know, if I'm a doctor and I have a link from WebMD, that builds the trust in me. But at the same time, unless you're getting on a directory on one of those websites, the way you get those natural links is being the expert on your topic. People reaching out to you for quotes on this or your thoughts on this or citing in, in your specific content. To me, that is the, the biggest backlinks are just becoming, I would say, not less important, but it's quality over quantity. And, a lot, and like to me, I would just rather focus on doing things right in my content being visible because it's high quality and getting organic backlinks that way. Taylor Kurtz is owner at Crush the Rankings. You can find him over at crushtherankings.com. Taylor, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2024. Thank you. I've been your host, David Bain. Get your copy of SEO in 2024, the book, over at seoin2024.com.